Well, good morning. It's good to be with you. Our, te- um, our text is going to be verses 19 through 34 of Matthew 6. But all I'm going to read right now, I'll be reading that throughout the message, but all I'm going to read right now is verse 34. And also, I noticed that there are five pages for sermon notes in your bulletin, and I don't want you to be alarmed that this is going to be a super long sermon, no, no more than an hour and a half, just a guarantee. All right, let's give ear to the reading of God's Word. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This ends the reading of the very Word of the living God. The title of this morning's message is Worry Unmasked. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this uh, first day of a brand new week as one week unfolds into another, Lord, gathering with us as your people that you might receive our praises prompted by your Spirit who has united us to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for each one here. You know the struggles, you know the hurts, the concerns, the things that weigh down souls, the disturbers of their peace. And Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would meet them in this hour and that you would fortify them. Lord, I pray now that as we open your word, that your Spirit might inhabit its preaching. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Well, let me wish you a happy new year. It's a week delayed because of uh, COVID, and that's kind of the way things work nowadays. I remember when we changed the calendar from uh, 2020 to 2021, and uh, people breathed a huge sigh of relief when we changed the calendar uh, and had hopes for better days. But 2021 pretty much offered more of the same. And now as we turn the calendar to 2022, uh, we enter the year kind of on edge. And we wonder what we're going to face. You know, what health issues or financial struggles or relationship conflicts. Uh, We fear for our children, just all all kinds of things. But friends, uh, hear this. As God has been our help in ages past, so he will be our hope for years to come. Our God is with us and equips us for whatever we will face in 2022. And one of the places he does that, one of the places he equips us with wisdom for entering this year is in the Sermon on the Mount. And the teaching of our Lord Jesus here that we're going to address this morning brings us a perspective that ministers to us in our fears and our distress. So in our fear and anxiety, Jesus speaks these words of wisdom. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now in this text, our Lord Jesus speaks of anxiety, or we might call it worry, either one. 
And the, the word means, uh, it has to do with the mind in the sense it means to give thought. But there's a little bit more to it because the root, it carries the same root as divide or tear apart. Isn't that the way that worry works? Our minds are restless. They are in turmoil. And we're being ripped apart. And there's no peace. The way that worry works. And what our Lord says is this. He says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Now, what is tomorrow? Well, you know what tomorrow is. But actually, uh, what he's getting here is that don't be anxious about that area, that time frame that is not here yet. Worrying about what might be. And that's the way worry, what worry feeds upon. It has a fear of the unknown. It has its own language. And one of the favorite phrases of worry is, what if? What if? What if our furnace breaks down this winter? What if we catch COVID? What if our children turn away from the faith? What if my teenager doesn't make it home or doesn't make it home tonight in the driving rain and dark? That's not exactly tomorrow, is it? But it is in this sense that it has not arrived yet. We're not there yet. Now, why does Jesus say not to worry about tomorrow? He says that don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious, worry about itself. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. That's a curious statement, isn't it? I think what he's saying is this. Here's tomorrow, but we are not yet in tomorrow. So tomorrow is here, but we are part of today. And what about today? Our Lord Jesus reminds us that sufficient for the day is its own trouble. In other words, what our Lord is telling us is that uh, this day holds all that we can handle. It says that uh, all that we can handle is on our plate today. And by the way, those portions that are on our plate for the day that we have the grace to handle, those portions are put there by our God. So in this verse, verse 34, our Lord sorts out two categories for us. There's a today category, and there's a tomorrow category. Where do we live? We live in the today category. And we can do something about today. God's grace is sufficient for the day. But tomorrow, that has not yet come. But when tomorrow does come, what we will find is that the God who is already there, who is not bound by time, we will find that he is with us and that his grace is sufficient for us. So a today category and a tomorrow category. And I think the way it works is this. You know, we weren't sure this service was going to happen today. You know, with this uh, uh, freezing rain. You know, are we, whether you have to pull the plug on the service. Now, it would be easy just to fret and be, what's going to happen? To be all disturbed about that. But I think the way it works is this. Here, that's a possibility for tomorrow. And you say, Lord, whether that happens or not, we commit that to you. So we commit tomorrow to God, but then we consecrate the day at hand. What does that look like in terms of 
a possible service cancellation. Well, it meant uh, making alerts, planning, planning all that, perhaps making contingencies. So the, the things that we can do today as we consecrate ourselves to God, but then tomorrow we commit to him saying, Lord, care for this. All right, you notice in verse 34 that this teaching on worry uh, begins with the word therefore. And what that does is it means it kind of lifts our eyes further back. It lifts us up, look, makes us look further upstream. And so what our Lord is saying is don't worry because. Now what's he going to tell us? He's telling us not to worry about tomorrow or tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And he's saying, but don't worry because. So what does he say? Well, this next uh, the section that it's connected to really begins in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And you see, our Lord in this section is talking about anxiety, isn't he? He's talking about worry. He mentions the word four times. And this, it flavors the whole, whole uh, passage. So on what basis is our Lord Jesus telling us not to worry? What he's doing is he's lifting our eyes to a sovereign God who is involved in his creation. Our God is involved to care and to provide. This same God, as we sang earlier, is involved in our lives as our Father in heaven. Notice what Jesus says in verse 32. He says, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now, Gentiles here, we want to understand, as unbelievers. But he says, But you, people of faith, you of your Father in heaven, your God, your Father knows you. He knows exactly what you need. And so what he's doing, what our Lord is doing, is he is saying, I want you to employ this, you're a believer, employ this faith perspective to everyday life. It's a perspective of faith that knows and sees and trusts the God who reigns, the God who is our Father in heaven. Notice the way that our Lord uh, expresses this faith when he says 
Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And that's when he says, those outside the family of God, the Gentiles, they run after these things. But you trust your Father. You know, Jesus, Jesus uh, telling us not to worry, right? But he's not just telling us, don't worry. Rather, he is directing our attention in a particular way. He calls us to do something. And that's in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All right, what does worry have to do? What does not worrying have to do with seeking the kingdom of God? How does seeking the kingdom of God help us not to worry? Well, I guess we should start, uh, we should, uh, start by asking, what is the kingdom of God? Something else we sang about this morning. The kingdom of God is the saving rule of Jesus Christ. The righteous, redemptive rule of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God speaks about the, the presence and the power and the promise of God that has intruded in, our, in this world and caught us up as subjects of the kingdom. And our being part of the kingdom of God is to make a difference in our lives about how we act and how we react to things. So to seek the kingdom of God is to pursue the glory of our King in our lives. It is to draw upon His blessings of grace to each one of us, to invest ourselves in what will endure into all eternity. Or as Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it's, we want to hear His Word and to put it into practice. And He's saying that to us who have been brought into this kingdom by His grace, He says, don't live your life don't have the same perspective as the Gentile who does not know God. You do know God. You are known by God. And let bring this to bear in the way that you live your life. And you notice what he does is Jesus lays out competing agendas. When he says that those who are unbelievers, the Gentiles, they seek after all these things, but you seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, there's two seekings, aren't there? We are to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right, so we look at verse 34 and we see it beginning with a therefore and it pushes us back to this section about why we are not to worry. But you notice that the section we just read, beginning in verse 25, it also has a therefore. So it pushes us back even further. And here we understand our Lord's teaching on anxiety. Look at verse 19. This is where the whole section begins. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And what our Lord is doing here is he's showing us what it means on the ground, what it means in nuts and bolts to seek his kingdom and uh, not to worry, what it means for us to be part of that. All right, Jesus said that his kingdom would be eternal and unshakable. The things of this world, which is the things we worry about, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, we worry about because it's so iffy. Things change, and it's hard to count on things. But we're part of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says in verse 21, He says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what does that say to us about being subjects, members of the kingdom of God? It says, where, what is our treasure? Where is our treasure located? In the world that is tumultuous and changing and uh, temporary? Or is our treasure located where it cannot be violated? He says in verse 22, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. See what he's talking about here. He's saying in respect to treasure, he says, what is it, what is your focus? What is it that you are looking at? A healthy eye, a healthy eye will fill our being with the light of God. A healthy eye will see Jesus Christ on the throne for us. A healthy eye will not be set in darkness, clothed with the cataracts of unbelief, but rather will have the clear eye of faith that sees our God on the throne. The title of this message is Worry Unmasked, right? So I think we're just about ready to pull the mask off of worry. As we move to verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see what worry is? Worry comes from seeking an other kingdom and serving an other king. Worry seeks our own kingdom and our own righteousness in the sense of following our own way. So ultimately, worry unmasked is idolatry. In what, what sense is it idolatry in this sense? That worry, see, it grasps for the prerogative that only God has. Only God knows the end from the beginning. Only God knows all things. Only God 
controls all that comes to pass. Worry wants control. Worry wants to know what tomorrow holds. Worry is often not willing to trust God to give things over to Him. Why? Because God might not do what we want with our health, with our finances, with our children, with our future plans. And how much that stands in contrast to Jesus Christ, who, though the cross was set before him, said, not my will, but yours be done. How do we deal with worry? Let me just briefly give you five key words. Five key words in how to deal with worry, taking into account what our Lord Jesus has said this morning. Each one begins with F, very helpfully. First is forgiveness. Forgiveness. In verse 25, when Jesus says, therefore, do not worry, that's a command. He's looking at us who have bowed the knee before him, who trust in him, and he says, do not worry. So what that means is that when we find ourselves distracted and divided by worry, we need to repent of that. We need to repent of our, not only our worrying, but our idolatry that wants our own way, that says, Lord, I do not trust you. We repent at our going maverick, and we bow the knee before Jesus Christ. So forgiveness. Second, faith. Our Lord, throughout this section, our Lord Jesus calls us to faith. He calls us to the exercise of faith. He directs our attention through the eyes of faith to the Lord of life and light as opposed to idols. He directs us to our Father in heaven. And like we read earlier from Isaiah 41, in Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, uh, it says, to those who I've taken from the ends of the earth, in other words, those who belong to me, God says, he looks at us in the eye and he says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. That's what worry does, to and fro. For I am your God. Surely I will strengthen you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And he doesn't say that to the Gentiles. He says that to those who belong to him and know him. So he wants us in the midst of our worry, as we see the roiling sea, he wants us through the eyes of faith to look at Jesus. The third F, forgiveness, faith, and that is focus. Jesus, in this section, Matthew 6, described God's care and goodness and provision and providence. And what that means is this, that when we are beset with worry, we, want to, we, we tend to zero in on that and don't see anything else. He wants us to step back and to see his hand of providence in our lives. Our lives are filled with so many good things. And for all of these things, we want to say, thank you, Father. And what that does is when we focus on the what is of our lives, the what ifs get drowned out. You know, Paul, when he says, 
do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Forgiveness, faith, focus. Fourth one is fullness. When we adopt a posture of faith, we rest in our God. We trust in Him. We wait upon Him. We hope in Him. Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And that means that we seek His ambitions and His priorities. Now, what's, uh, what is the kingdom of God called in Scripture? It says it's not a matter of eating and drinking. What's it a matter of? Righteousness and joy and peace. Aren't those the very things that are the antidote to worry? Righteousness and joy and peace. What worry is, it's a thief. It robs us of joy. It's a disturber of the peace. But where are our righteousness, peace, and joy found? In the kingdom. And so that means that we want to enjoy We want to delve into the fullness of the kingdom of God that we belong to by the grace of God. And maybe even more to the point, where are righteousness, joy, and peace found? In our King. In Jesus. And our Lord Jesus looks at us and He says, you know, in this world, because this world's passing away, right? This world is beset by sin and trouble sorrows in this world you will have trouble but take heart why because i have overcome the world and we are part of those overcomers because we belong to the kingdom of god and so jesus says to us uh, peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be That peace is found in the shalom of the unending, unshakable, redemptive kingdom of our God. All right, forgiveness, faith, focus, fullness. And the last one, the last key word is Father. Father. We forget. We go it alone and we feel like we've been abandoned. But God says he'll never leave you or forsake you that we are children of the King, sons and daughters of the living God. And that changes everything. Now, it's okay for us to be concerned about things. God, our Lord here, is not calling us to be dispassionate dispassionate or apathetic or resigned. It's okay to be concerned. The problem is where we step over-concern into idolatry where we want our will and our way and we want control instead of seeking God, trusting Him, and submitting to Him. He wants us to cast our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Like that way it's put here, God, this God knows our need as our Heavenly Father even before we ask it, but He wants us to ask. He wants us to lift our eyes to Him He wants us to draw near to Him. 
seems to me that Jesus taught this sort of prayer somewhere, didn't he? In fact, in this very chapter, when he says, when you pray, don't, don't pray like the Gentiles do. Rather, pray to your Father who knows what you need before you ask him. And when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Isn't that what seeking first the kingdom? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my way, but yours. On earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. And when, we get to, when I get to tomorrow, I'll ask you again for the daily bread that is sufficient. Well, we turn the calendar from 2021 to 2022. And if you take a look at your calendar, maybe you put it up on a wall or something like that, you'll notice that 2022, it's filled with tomorrows. And for each one, for each tomorrow, our Father's God's, Father God's presence will be a constant and His grace sufficient. Let's pray. Father, I, I and all of us here hear this and it, it speaks to us deeply in our soul. It resonates with us and it encourages us. But Lord, we desperately need the help of Your Spirit. Help us, O oh Lord, to be still against the winds of worry. Help the turmoil. Help us to be still and to know that you are God and that you are our God and that your grace is sufficient for whatever we face. We pray this in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.